Hey everyone, it's Pacific. Uh, just a few quick things to talk about, and then this week's episode. First, the second half of this podcast is actually a original story written by a audio drama creator that I'm a huge fan of, Alexander T. Lander. He creates a show called Ostium. Uh, it's a strange show about doors that lead you to very, very strange places. Uh, it's super cool, super awesome, and there's a new season coming out very, very soon. So check it out. Um, there's a link for the show in the description below, uh, or just search Ostium on any podcast provider of your choice. That's Ostium. O-S-T-I-U-M. Second, annual memberships. Uh, I mentioned them last week. I do want to bring them up again. Um, they're here. And if you sign up for an annual membership now, you can actually save 16%, which is about two months. Uh, and then you get access to all of our ad-free bonus episodes, uh, postcards. Um, in October, we're doing something really, really special for all patrons $10 and above. It's a surprise, and I'll have more information on that soon. Uh, but yeah, you get all of that all year long, so sign up now. You can find out more about our show at patreon.com scp underscore pod. And, of course, on that note, I want to give a huge shout-out to this week's patrons. And that means Valkinder, Megan Landon, Tyler Bice, Swamped Out, Gothic Fox, Felipe Mendoza, Samantha Wright, Suggestive Cacti, Nicole Hall, Becky A. Bryles, Alexander Close, Marcus Garcia, and his friend Chaos McWeber, who introduced him to our show. Thank you guys for all of your support. It means the world to us. And tell a friend about our show. We appreciate it. And on that note, this week's episode. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number. SCP-1128. Object class. Euclid. Special containment procedures. Written descriptions or images of SCP-1128's appearance or videos of the entity breaching. See Addendum 1128-3. Found outside the Foundation are to be destroyed. And see class amnestics are to be administered to anyone exposed to such information or showing signs of SCP-1128 contamination. A written description of the entity's appearance is to be kept at Site-72 for experimental purposes only. It is not to be read by anyone other than D-Class used for testing. If exposed, Stafford will report immediately for administration of Class C amnestics. Mobile Containment Force Kappa-12 has been assigned to intercept and redirect any and all water traffic that passes through their designated patrol area by any means necessary. See Addendum 1128-2. Description. SCP-1128 is an entity that manifests as a massive aquatic predator to anyone given a full description of the being's appearance through either spoken or written descriptions or visual depictions of the being. Persons infected by SCP-1128 will initially exhibit no abnormal behavior, though some cases show a general aversion to activities involving bodily immersion in water, such as bathing or swimming. Should the subject ever be fully immersed in water, they will disappear completely under the surface of the water, regardless of the water's actual depth. 
In most cases, subjects will reappear moments later in a panicked state and frantically try to leave the water, while in some other cases, the water will be polluted with blood and debris confirmed to be the remains of the subject. Subjects that have reappeared intact claim they were transported to a vast ocean where they were pursued by SCP-1128. Interviews with these individuals carry some risk of further SCP-1128 contamination, as descriptions of the being's appearance trigger further infections. SCP-1128 infection can be treated with Class C amnestics, as it appears memory, the entity, or descriptions of it are required for its anomalous properties to take effect. Addendum 1128-1 Testing with infected D-Class have shown that wireless communication devices function normally when used by submerged subjects affected by SCP-1128. See interview 1128-T102 for details. Addendum 1128-2 Tracking devices affixed to D-Class used in SCP-1128 experiments reveal that submerged subjects are transported to an area within the Pacific Ocean, not far from the coast of California. Further investigation of these coordinates revealed the area to be near... Ooh. Mobile Containment Force Kappa-12, the Sea Devils, has been reassigned to keep unauthorized seafaring vessels out of this area at all costs. Addendum 1128-3 Tests involving D-1732, who had been used for repeated SCP-1128 testing without administration of amnestics, was shown to be able to encounter the entity in bodies of water normally insufficient for bodily immersion. This effect became more drastic over time, with D-1732 developing progressively stronger hydrophobic tendencies, claiming to see SCP-1128 from outside almost any body of water encountered by the subject. On 6-11-2018, 14 days after initial exposure, D-1732 was violently pulled into a glass of water by a tentacle. No remains were recovered from the incident. Staff witnessing the event were found to be infected by SCP-1128, and administered Class C amnestics. Containment procedures were then updated to include videos and descriptions of this event, and testing involving extended infection of D-Class personnel was terminated. Experiment Log 1128-A-1 Date 06-17-18 Procedure D-Class exposed the SCP-1128 outfitted with diving gear and communication device, then lowered into tub of water. Result See interview 1128-T102. Experiment log 1128-A-2. Date 6-24-18. Procedure. D-Class exposed SCP-1128 and equipped with scuba gear placed in a standard protective shark cage and lowered into water. Result. No response for approximately 8 seconds. Then line went taut and was severed at a point beneath the water. Remnants of D-Class, as well as jagged steel fragments, presumably remnants of the cage, surfaced shortly afterward. Experiment Log 1128-A-3 Date 6-28-18 Procedure Same as above. Cage treated with SCP-8 to increase durability. Result Same as above. No remains surfaced. Notes 16 hours later, MCFC Devils reported finding an intact shark cage floating beneath the surface of a patrol area near one of their vessels. Item was retrieved and confirmed to match description of the cage used in experiment 1128-A-3. Cage was undamaged but bore traces of human DNA and feces of indeterminate origin. No further remains of D-Class found. Experiment Log 
1128-A-4. Date, 7-2-18. Procedure. Expose D-Class equipped with diving gear and armed with harpoons for use against hostile organisms. Unlike previous tests, subject was also equipped with a live feed video camera attached to his helmet. Result. Video feed shows weapon was ineffective against SCP-1128, appearing only to enrage the creature further than harm it considerably or drive it away. Feed was lost when D-Class was devoured. Staff involved treated with amnestics following transcription of video feed. Experiment Log 1128-A-5 Date 7-5-18 Procedure Expose D-Class equipped with protective environment suit and live feed lowered into a vat to test SCP-1128 manifestation in liquids other than water. Substance chosen for its low density allowing free movement similar to walking in open air. Result D-Class recovered without incident. Liquid did not trigger SCP-1128's effect. Note. Okay, so you might be safe from the thing in the liquids other than water, but that probably won't help you much unless you intend to drink and bathe in exotic chemicals for the rest of your life, which probably would get a lot shorter if you tried that. Interview 1128-2 Interviewed D-4653 Interviewer Dr. Schultz Forward, D-4653 was instructed to read from a small pamphlet describing SCP-1128's appearance, then was outfitted with diving gear and lowered into a large tub of water via winching cable. D-4653's gear was outfitted with a wireless communication device to allow contact between himself and Dr. Schultz, and to test if the SCP had any effect on such devices. Interview has been edited to remove hazardous information pertaining to SCP-1128. Begin log. D-4653, can you hear me? Over. I hear you, dog. Damn, this thing is deep. Looks so tiny from the outside. How well is your reception, Over? Good enough, I guess. Kind of fuzzy, but not enough that I can't hear what you're saying. What is your current status? Right now, I'm just sinking to the bottom of... Is this an ocean? How the hell did you manage to fit an entire ocean inside a stinking bathtub? Irrelevant, D-4653. What are your surroundings? I just said ocean, damn it. There's fish and everything. Don't you guys know what the hell's inside your own... D-4653, what happened? I'm fine, I'm fine. I just hit bottom. Looks like I've landed in a patch of seaweed or something. What are your surroundings? Seaweed, mostly. Wait a second. It's thinner to my right. Looks like there might be a drop-off that way. Should I go take a look? You may proceed. Okay. D-4653 grunts audibly. Damn, suit's heavy. It's hard to move in this thing. Is this thing soundproof? Oh, I'm talking this is going to scare off any of you. Oh my god! D-4653. D-4653, respond. What's your status? D-4653 pants audibly. Okay. Okay. I, I don't think it saw me. Yeah, I think it just pissed myself. What happened? What did you see? Scary stamp thing? 
I've ever seen. Some kind of big ass... Description has been redacted. Wait, wait a second. That's the thing from that stupid booklet you gave me, isn't it? Affirmative. Please refrain from describing it any further. What's it doing? Nothing right now, it's just swimming along. I think it's got something in its mouth. Is that a whale? Holy crap, it is! It's eating a whale! Oh my god, look at those teeth! I think we're done here. Pull him out now. Thank you for your cooperation. We're bringing you up now. And he swallowed it! Damn, it's. That's gonna haunt my dreams. Wait. It stopped moving. I think it sees me. Oh god, it's looking right at me. It's, it's, it's headed this way! Go oh god, help me! Get him out of there, now! <laughs> D4653 becomes hysterical and starts sputtering gibberish when feed cuts the static. End log. Hey everyone, it's Pacific here with a quick break. And welcome back. I have a very special tale written by Alex T. Lander of the Ostium Podcast. Enjoy. Item number. Pending assignment. Given temporary designation T4956. Object class. Safe. Special containment procedures. T4956 is kept within a secure room measuring exactly 10 meters in length, width, and height. Located at Site 16. There's only one entry point to the room, which requires passing through two secured doors. The first requires a keycard, fingerprint scan, and retinal scan. The second door requires a 25-digit alphanumeric code and a blood sample. Once all of these requirements are met, you must wait five minutes for full verification. Then, the final door will unlock. The room is under constant surveillance with eight different cameras situated around the room focused on T4956 from all angles. All access attempts to T4956 are to be logged and reviewed by the security director monthly. Description. T4956 is an ordinary looking wooden door, measuring 76 millimeters in width and 1,981 millimeters in height. The wood has been identified as oak, and the color is a burnt umber. It was originally discovered deep within the forest of Mendocino County in Northern California by a foundation agent on a hiking vacation. The door was found in a small opening in the forest, standing there attached to nothing, remaining upright through some unknown means. The agent was able to keep his hiking party away from T4956, and then returned with a team after the vacation had concluded. Found around the open space of T4956 were bones. Samples were taken and they were identified as human. T4956 has been brought to Site 16 with specific and thorough containment measures. Testing was then begun with 4D class. The 4D class went through the door spaced at various intervals. Only one returned. When D3491 returned, she brought her own recording of her experiences, designated T4956-4, as well as the three recordings of the three now-deceased D-class, designated respectively T4956-1 through T4956-4. T4956-1. Begin log. My designation is 
D-3779. I am the first of four volunteers to investigate and being granted access to T-4956, or as us D's call it, the door. I have already passed through both of the security doors and am now in the room with the object. It looks like any ordinary door one would open and go through. I walk around the door, studying it, looking for any signs that would indicate it's anything other than a normal door. Strange markings, chips, or missing pieces of wood. Unusual holes that might well lead to another place in time. Okay, I was kidding about that one. They can force me into their door, but they can't stop me from lightening the mood, right? I'll be honest. I'm shit scared. Other Ds always talk about how safe assignments are the best, but... That's all bullshit. There's nothing safe about this. <sighs> okay. I think I've stalled enough. Let's do this. Right. That wasn't ominous or anything. On the other side, I can see... Well... It's kind of hard to describe. It's, it's all fuzzy and blurry and gray and squirmy all at the same time. Yeah, not my uh, best description there. It's sort of like when a TV station goes off the air and you get all that static. Do stations even go off the air anymore? Like the signal has been lost. Kind of like that, only blurry. I can't really make out anything concrete. And now I'm supposed to walk through this soupy horror and hope I make it out alive on the other side? I'd say I don't get paid enough for this, but... I do get paid pretty well. Whether I'll be alive long enough to enjoy it, well... Okay. Okay. It looks like I'm in some sort of forest. The door is behind me, staying open. It's all static on this side, too. It's a lot cooler here, but smells great. All the trees and plants, I guess. There's a pathway leading away from the door. I'm gonna follow it. It's pretty thick forest on both sides. If I went off the path, I'd get lost hella fast. Whoa. What's this? That's one gnarly tree. Looks really old. There are uh, three letters carved into it. C. R. O. Weird. Okay. Okay. I can smell something else now. Just. It's not just trees, but. It's. It's metallic. It smells like iron or, or rust. Like, like heavy, cloying, man, I don't like it. Got a bad feeling about this place. And now, I can see the path opening up to this, like, wooden fence. Looks like an old fort or something. From the cowboy days? I don't... Oh. Oh, Jesus. Is that a body? Shit, it is. Oh my god, it's been hacked up! 
What the hell happened to that person? Oh god. There's more of them. Bodies. Fucking dead people. Everywhere. There's so much blood. And body parts. Legs and arms and other things. Oh god. There are kids too. Men, women, and children. What horror happened here? Hey. This guy doesn't look as injured. Still lots of blood. And he's got a really long knife. Why is he? Time to die. <laughs> The recording continues for some time, then stops. There are no recognizable sounds to identify what happened after. T4956 was recovered with the other recordings. End log. T4956-2. Begin log. Question everything. That's my motto. I never take anything for granted. So when they told me I'd be going through a mysterious door and they didn't know what was on the other side, but it was my job to document what I discovered, I was... immediately suspicious, but also incredibly curious. They made it sound like there could be literally anything on the other side, so I was game, gung-ho, and, and all ready to go. It's a giant room. All the surface is shiny and metal, burnished, immaculate. It feels like I'm looking down a long hallway because the metal walls and ceilings stretch out for hundreds of yards. The ceiling looks to be at least five stories tall. I'm getting a walleye effect, making this room feel like it's stretching on to infinity. Like looking at your reflection in the mirror and seeing a reflection of that reflection of that reflection and so on. There are occasional banks of buttons and colorful lights and various screens. Computer terminals, I guess. About 20 feet down on the left wall is a long rectangle of windows stretching many tens of feet in length. The effect makes it feel like a strip of glass. I jog over to it, wanting to see everything that is on the other side. I push my face up to the long window. It's icy cold to the touch. On the other side of the window is an alien landscape. There are reds and oranges and ochres, a whole palette of those colors blending together in various tints and shades. It's barren, harsh, hills of varying sizes. In the distance, I think I see the hazy mirage of mountains. Lots of red rocks, some mighty boulders that look like they'd be fun to roll down a hill and to see how far they'd roll. What's gravity like here? And then I see a rocket ship out there on what looks like a launch pad. It's pig. Massive, about half a mile away and stretching high into the gray sky. I look off to the right and see some sort of vehicle. It looks like a giant buggy with a white canopy over the top. There's a front windshield, but I can't see any other windows in the vehicle from where I am. What I can see on the side of the vehicle are words. The top one in big block letters is NASA. The two words below it are Martian Colony Number 4. A million questions invade my mind. What year is this? How many colonies have there been? How did the first three turn out? How is this fourth colony doing? Where is everyone? Why is the door to the buggy hanging open? 
The iciness of fear trickles into my body. I do at least have one answer. I'm on Mars. I start walking along the floor of metal, constantly switching from looking ahead to the window and back again, as I almost don't believe it. That's why I keep checking to confirm. I glance at the terminals as I pass them, but the screens are all blank. The button's laid out in your usual QWERTY way, but there's a host of extra buttons with strange symbols on them that mean nothing to me. They don't look Greek or Cyrillic. They look, for want of a better word, alien. I want to try activating one of these terminals, but I was specifically instructed not to interact with anything I found on the other side. The giant hallway starts to curve around, and as I make the bend, it continues straight for a long ways and then curves to the right again. I have the idea I might be in some sort of circular habitat, and I'm on the outside walkway. Before I continue down the walkway, I turn back real quick to make sure I can see the door I came through in the distance. It's still there. It's not long before I find a door on my right. At least, I think it's a door. It's a vertical rectangle of metal in the wall with a quarter-inch gap around it. But there's no handle. No blemish or scratch or marking of any sort on its surface. Not sure what to do, I try just pushing on the left side of the presumed door where I, I think a handle should be. It worked. I step inside and see I'm in some sort of medical room. Everything in the room is white and feels sterile. There's a bed in the center of the room, counters along the walls with cabinets above and below. Again, there's an absence of handles. There's another door on the opposite wall. I go through it and find myself in another curving hallway. The curve is more pronounced here as I'm moving towards the center of this Mars station. Once again, there's not another person in sight. What's an awesome colony station on the planet Mars doing sitting abandoned like this? What happened? Did everyone up and leave? There's one rocket ship I've seen, but for all I know, there should be five out there normally. What happened here? What the hell was that? I freeze on the spot, instantly terrified, but also curious. It's something, a potential answer. I jog down a hallway and open a door from where I think the sound emanated. It looks to be living quarters, three sets of bunk beds and some closets. On one of the beds is a device that looks like some kind of tablet or data pad. The opposite door is ajar. A clue, perhaps? I open it wider and go through. I'm in a massive round room with an unbelievably high ceiling. It feels like being in a concert hall or, or auditorium. There are displays encased in what looks to be glass. I approach one of them, my excitement growing. I don't need to check the display tag to know this is the Martian lander. At another display, I recognize Pathfinder. Next to Spirit Rover, Opportunity. They're all here. The unmanned craft that helped teach us everything we know about planet Mars. This is a museum. What's that? I walk over to another display, this one of insight. The thing is shaking like, like there's something inside. What the fuck? As before, recording continues for some time, then stops. There are no recognizable sounds to identify what happened after. T4956-2 was recovered along with the other recordings. T4956-3. Begin log. I guess there went the element of surprise. 
I'm inside a house and it feels huge and old and really fucking haunted. It's like Disneyland's Haunted Mansion times 10, combined with the TARDIS from Doctor Who. You know, bigger on the inside. Much bigger. I think they call it a landing? I don't know. It's a space right by the front door with stairs that lead to the second floor and doors showing the way to adjoining rooms. There's a fancy chandelier hanging overhead, giving everything a warm, fuzzy glow. I'm guessing they want me to check every room in this house and be thorough and all that. I walk into the first room off the landing. It's pitch black. Can't see a thing. There's a strong smell in the room. Something metallic. Reach out to the wall, looking for the light switch, and find it. It's covered in something wet and sticky. Not sure if it'll work. Looks like it does! The room is bathed in a sickly yellow light. Like those days that are hazy and worn out. As if the sun has some weird filter covering it. The zombie rising has begun. But that's not what's wrong with the kitchen I'm standing in. It also explains that wet stickiness. Blood! In vast amounts! Blood everywhere! Blood on the walls, the cabinets, the ceiling, the floor, the sink is a full tub of blood. The stove, in addition to being covered in the red stuff, is also oozing more of it out of its gas burners. While the oven door below has more of the dark, viscous fluid running from its edges. Can't help thinking of that scene in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. It's like a fucking dump truck of blood just got emptied in here. Then the smell hits me. Heavy. Meaty. Coppery. Rancid. Of something that was alive, but is no longer. Then I see and hear the flies. Big black blobs circling around, landing here and there in the blood, then taking off again in search of meat, tissue, something solid that isn't liquid blood. I've had enough and quickly leave the room. Back on the landing, it feels like returning to a semblance of normal life, but it isn't. Light is still on in the kitchen. The crimson landscape is still an eyesore that can't really be avoided. I slowly count to 30. Then I head for the other doorway, which is also dark. Forcing myself, I walk into the room. I find the light switch. This one's dry. And turn it on. It's a dining room with an unsurprising dining table at its center. Curtain windows frame the dining table on two sides. What is both surprising and unexpected are the occupants seated at the table. There are five of them. Two on either side of the table, with one seated at its head. There's an empty seat at the opposite end. They're all men, just military uniform. What is wrong with these men is that they're all headless, decapitated. The rough, jagged skin flap edges of their necks are as clear as the empty serving dish in the center of the dining table. The wounds cauterized and blackened, the sawed-off veins, arteries, and severed spinal columns easily recognizable. Upon the place before each of these five men are their severed heads, their faces placed so that they are looking at their headless bodies. Each of the faces bears a look of sheer terror. Back on the landing, this time it takes me longer before I can move again, then I head upstairs. Want to get this over and done with as quick as possible. At this point, I just want to get the fuck out of here. The upstairs hallway is dimly lit by the complete opposite of the beautiful hanging chandelier, a single twisted wire hanging from the ceiling around the middle of the hallway with a single naked bulb dangling from it. Somehow it's swinging side to side like it's on a pendulum or a metronome. The effect is every horror movie director's wet dream, shadows spinning and morphing and changing to every nightmare imaginable. Is that a misshapen monster coming toward me? A curled human form dragging itself closer? Something oozing along the floor? 
I know I've got a headache of brewing from this fucked up live show. I need to get this over with, however bad it's going to be. There are four doors, all the same side of the hallway. Open the first door. It's dark, like the others. I find the light switch in the same place as the others. At least, something standard here. The light turns on, and I wait five seconds to take in the scene. It's a library. Bookcases on three walls, a window on the last. In the center of the room is a desk with miscellaneous piles of old books and pens and quills and paper. Behind the desk is a chair. In that chair is a man in camo fatigues slumped over on the desk. His arms are on either side of his head. His face is turned to the side, watching me where I stand just inside the door. Buried in his skull is a 16-inch machete. Part of the long knife sticking out with the yellow-white ivory handle, grooves that are brown and dirty with age. The rest of the knife has gone through the man's head and is stabbed into the wooden table, holding him there. There's a little blood. I tried dark red trickle running across his forehead and pulling on the table. I turn off the light and leave. The next room, light is turned on. The room is stark, bare, no furniture, just white walls. Instead of the room is an electric table saw. The biggest one I've ever seen. On... <laughs> on the floor are two halves of a man. Spread about four feet apart. The insides of both halves are falling out like an open, tipped-over can of chili or spaghettios. No colorizing here. It's set up to infer that the man did this horrific act to himself. A suicide, never to be forgotten. I leave. Two down, two to go. It feels like they've been getting worse, but other than knowing there's probably two more dead and disfigured bodies I have to face, there's no real way to prepare myself for this. I flip the switch in the next room, except it doesn't light up with white, but red, with blood. Because there's blood in the light bulb. Blood everywhere. It's a bedroom, or it was a bedroom. A bed, bedside table, chest of drawers. But everything is covered in dripping, viscous blood. And also, parts, body parts. Big pieces, small pieces, here and there and everywhere. You don't let your eyes focus on it too much because then you might be able to identify what body part it originally belonged to. But there are also some ropes, stringy, twisting vines that can only be intestines. What is all here may have once been a complete human being, likely a man, but it's very hard to tell. I turn off the light and leave. Final room. It looks empty at first, but there's a man. He started at the far end of the room, beneath the window. There's a massive blood stain on the wall below the window. Maybe a gunshot, or multiple gunshots. Then he dragged himself along the floor. The blood trail makes that abundantly clear. He's only a couple of feet from me now, face down on the ground. He looks pretty dead. And then I see the words. You're next. What the fuck? The recording continues for some time, then stops. There are no recognizable sounds to identify what happened after. SCP-4956-3 was recovered with the other recordings. It wasn't your usual case, but then SCPs never really are, are they? But this one especially. The guys in charge had actually told me what had happened to the previous three who had gone through the door. Not in graphic detail, that I would come to know in time, but just that they'd not come back, and the worst was presumed. Was I shocked? No way, Jose. 
It's a bit of a cliche, but SCP agents are a dime a dozen. We lose agents in the field pretty often. Comes with the territory, and all those cliches the military like to use. Of course, if they had to deal with SCPs, they'd lose their shit real fast. <laughs> so I knew I was going in with little chance of success, but that's pretty much how I always go in. I've survived this long, and maybe I'll survive this one. Maybe not. Guess we'll see. Okay. Whew. I'm in some apocalyptic hellscape. It's like any movie about the end of the world. Hulks of rusty old cars, uh, trash blown in the wind. Not a person in sight. The question is, what manner of monster is going to show its face in a minute? Will it be zombies? Radioactive creatures from your worst nightmares? Or just, uh... Or a bunch of fucking guys with guns ready to kill everyone and just generally fuck shit up. They decide to go left, down the street. Pretty soon, things open up, and I'm out in a clearing. There are trees and plants. It's not too bad here. Except, I can't hear anything. No birds, no bees, nothing. It's all dead. Also, if I look above the trees, I can see something way out on the horizon. There's only one thing it could be. A mushroom cloud. <sighs> but there's this little old cottage ahead, nestled between the trees. It looks in good condition, like someone's been keeping house. You could use a fresh coat of paint, and... Well, the front yard hasn't seen a lawnmower in a long time. But considering how everything else looks, this might be something. Something hopeful, perhaps. Come in. Fuck! Shit! <laughs> Guess this was the hellscape where there's a fucking serial killer on the loose. Well, he's fucking dead now, at least. I look around the cottage this wacko has called home for who knows how long. The amount of knives and swords and sharp objects is beyond disturbing. And then I find something I never would have expected. Three recording devices, just like the one I'm using now. I turn on and listen to each one in turn. Looks like this fucker killed the other three. Well, he ain't killing anymore. I bring the recording devices with me, and head back through the door I originally came through, much to the shock and amazement of everyone on the other side. And I live to face another SCP. To date, no further agents have entered through T-4956. T-4956 has not been declared off-limits to any agents, but at this point, no agents will be ordered to go through the door. However, volunteers will be welcomed. There have been no volunteers at this point. SCP-1128 was written by Mr. Cobalt. Our host and narrator is John Grills. D. This was played by Jesse Hall. And Dr. Four was played by Pacific S. Obadiah. 
Ostium was written by Alexander T. Lander. Tale narrator was me, Pacific S. Obadiah. D3779 was Atticus Jackson. D9415 was Nicole Goodnight. D6541 was Jesse Hall. And D2884 was Tanya Miliovic. Our music is made by the incredible Tom Roy Parsons. And I'm your showrunner and sound designer, Pacific S. Obadiah. Our producer is Tom Owen. And this is a bloody disgusting podcast. For more information, visit bloody-disgusting.com.